0: Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast and your authority on all things Leadville. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. We want to take you on a journey of storytelling of our now 38-year rich history We also then want to follow that up with tricks and tips that will get you to that line come August and let our community members have a little say in that too. So sit back, enjoy, and we'll see you this summer. We'll see you at home in Leadville. Well, Leadville family, if minimalism and uh, running are your thing, boy, have I got a treat for you today in the form of Patrick Sweeney, his Luna sandals, his minimalistic lifestyle, and his tales of trotting across America. So enjoy this one, folks. It's a lively tale. We have a saying in Leadville, you don't find Leadville, Leadville finds you. So, Patrick, when did Leadville find you?
1: Well, first of all, hi, Cole. <laughs> it's a pleasure to chat with you. <laughs> hi, Pat. <Tom. laughs> uh, Led- I guess well, I first heard of Leadville from Christopher McDougall's book, Born to Run, and I was intrigued by it, um, and I went out there to to pace the first time. It wasn't to run it. Um, I was pacing, at the time, the CEO of Luna Sandals, uh, Bookus Smuin. Um He's one of these two kids that, along with Barefoot Ted, started making sandals in Seattle. Um, And so I paid Bookus, it was his first 100-miler, and he was one of the the first people, I think, to run a 100-mile
0: race in Luna Sandals, and that's how I first found my boat. Very nice. Now, you were and are a pretty quick guy out there on that course, to say the least. Uh, What kicked off your running, and what has continued to fuel that passion?
1: um i guess my running in general um um all my life i've loved sports but when i was a kid i was a little chunky kid um wasn't the chunkiest but i was almost the chunkiest <laughs> <laughs> not to say i wasn't bad at sports though like i still love them and i gave it my all um through high school i was you know more the kid who wasn't into school sports would rather go sneak off and smoke cigarettes but uh i played soccer um not for my school um, when, which I was pretty good at, but once again, I didn't like the running aspect. Um, and then fast forward a little bit to like junior college, um, uh, decided to see if I could do a marathon. It sounded like a really hard thing to do. And me and a friend, we started running just to, to see if we could do it. And, um, I did the LA marathon, I think in the year 2000, it was probably my first race I ever ran other than, the, I think we had a one mile race in kindergarten. <laughs> a two mile race eight a two mile race in eighth grade that I'm still pissed off that they made kids run two miles how could they be so evil
0: so, <laughs> so, the so there's off, a, <laughs> a bit of a gap there <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah and then so I ran a couple marathons in junior college and then kind of left running until I had a breakup in like 2006 and then like found running again and started doing the marathons and then found out about the Ultras and fell in love with the Ultra Running community.
0: Okay, now, I'm talking about that community, you and I have a good bit of common friends, but it may start with a gentleman you've already spoken about, Barefoot Ted McDonald. How do you know Ted? When did you meet Ted?
1: When did I meet? So there's a small marathon in southern california called the Pal. well i don't think they actually have the marathon anymore i think it's just a half marathon but for a while it was the second longest continuously run marathon only behind boston uh, the Palace verdes marathon and they always used to be like and we got this barefoot group of runners i thought that was like whoa how how the heck can somebody do that? like that's that's craziness like it's hard to do a marathon um and so in the back of my head i like knew about him um, and then I was I was running a hundred kilometer race I think in 2008 called the Orange Curtain in Southern California and uh, Ted was running it barefoot he was trying to qualify for the Spartathlon um, in Greece which is a 150 plus mile race but, uh, so I met Ted there and chatted a little bit and like found out that he was making sandals and uh, uh randomly I uh, you know. I don't know. I was drunk or something, and I was on the internet and that <laughs> him, and and, um, and like we sparked up a little bit of a friendship. And then one day, a pair of Lunas showed up in the mail, and I, I put them on, and I loved them. And then I guess our our friendship blossomed over the sandals, and then we became great friends. And I've been wearing Lunas ever since.
0: Well, yes, and you've done a few designs for Ted. It seems like you two have definitely been compadres. Um, and, and I haven't ever known yet to run in anything else. It does seem like Ted does a good job supporting you. Uh, do you want to tell us how that relationship is working or what, what he does to help you?
1: Um, pretty much just uh, like, I probably have more Luna sandals than anybody else. <laughs> um, I probably, but, I, but like, I was like, whenever they come out with something new, I try it and like, you can get it. 1500 miles out of a pair of Lunas pretty easily and I would put 1500 miles in a pair of Lunas uh, but like another pair would arrive when, when I was at 500 so I've, I've got a ton of sandals um, and then uh, Ted helped me or Ted and Luna Sandals um, helped me get to the Copper Canyons a bunch of times and um, they've helped with some other endeavors and uh, they're just cool people cool sandals I highly recommend them
0: well, yes, I think I've bought, you know, you do, I think you do have the most pair I've seen your collection, but I've also bought quite a few out of your collection as well. Now, do you have any other sponsors that are, you know, supporting you as much as Ted has or that you want to give a shout out that have kept your mission afloat?
1: Um, I've, <laughs> I've had a lot of, I've been fortunate to have a lot of brands help me out at different times. Um, just by, by, I'm not the best at anything. I just fill a small niche in the running world. Um, and as of right now, like I haven't been participating in that many races and I haven't been seeking out sponsors, but I still work with a few brands. Um, it's like I'm and I, I sling some products. I, I call it the Sweeney swap meet at some events. <laughs> so you'll, there's a good chance you'll see me with a booth just, you know, trying to make some men's meet when at different um, races. But um, right now um, I run for, um, gooder sunglasses. I got a pair on I'm, right now. I got a pair of gooder sunglasses on my head and some Luna sandals on my feet. And that's about it. But, um, <laughs> um I also um, do a few things with uh, pickle juice sport. Um, it's a, a purposely built, uh, formula to stop muscle cramps, but basically just tastes like the best pickle juice you've ever drank and it's pretty great. And they're a pretty cool company. Um, I'll be de- I'll be out at the running event in a few weeks um, with those guys, and then um, I've been doing a few things with OS first compression. Um, uh-huh. Pretty much, they've been helping me out with my. I've got a volleyball team at the place where I live, and so um, I don't wear socks all that often, but I'll wear some compression sleeves and some arm sleeves for volleyball. Uh, they make good socks, but so if I do wear socks, that's what I wear. Um, I guess that's about it right now. There might be some other ones. Sorry if I forgot about you.
0: (laughs) Well, awesome. So, you know, and that sounds pretty minimal, of course, because you're you're doing the sleeves and not even the socks. You got your sandals. But what's really appealed to me is your minimalism. I think that appeals to a whole lot of our athletes, but they haven't taken that step. Uh, What got you to take that step? What got
1: you there? um well i'm a beach kid at heart um i've lived at the beach most of my life and if you're gonna go running on the beach you probably don't want to be wearing shoes or socks or a T shirt um i mean you got to wear shorts by law so that's kind of a necessity um but uh, uh yeah it's really like something like running is, is so great because you don't need things and like i'm not a needy person and i don't like to I, I love the companionship of others, and I like love doing sports with others, but I don't like having to rely on others, I guess. So I think that kind of goes hand in hand with minimalism, is that like, if you know you can do it without anything, then like, then you're gonna be in good shape in most of the things you do.
0: <laughs> For sure. Now that thought seems to echo through your home life just as much as your running life and uh i i've always admired your lifestyle i remember when i was first getting into the luna sandals you know we were friends on facebook and i was following your life on on the hermosa beach days can you give us a day in the life of pat back in those days
1: <laughs> and it's pretty simple I'd wake up drink a pot of coffee uh, mess around on the internet for a little while uh go for a two to three hour run on the beach, go hit the sauna for an hour then come back, maybe do another run on the beach, um, come home, cook some good food and then have a couple beers and do it again the next day.
0: And now did you always keep it that minimal with your, like, did you ever record your mileage or, you know, you were just out on your feet for a period of time and it was, that was as simple as it.
1: Um, no, I do. I do have an ego, and I do get competitive with things. <laughs> um, there was a website back in the day, like b- before Strava, called the Daily Mile. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know that thing. That motivated me, and um, so like I would try to like only a few times did I ever get like the most mileage of like anybody in the like country in the week. But I was doing it on soft sand, so it was really hard to get the miles. It was. Probably. Time on my feet, I was probably getting it easily, but um, like when I run on the DH, I run slow as fuck, or excuse me, very slow. <laughs> and
0: You're fine.
1: It's like, it's not really about the uh, the distance, it's more about the time and uh, the experience. Um, I don't think I answered your question, but whatever.
0: <laughs> well, no, that actually does, though. I mean, it's the experience over the calculation of time or mileage, so I totally get that. Um, And you've also taken this approach into your to your personal life and uh, you've done a great job of, you know, moving through life. But then now you've met this Samantha who's been in your life full time and you two seem very like minded what is your schedule like these days with her, and what is your living situation like today? Because I know it's not on Hermosa Beach anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, so we got a, a really good thing going. My like Sam was a was a close friend, and we both ended up being single at one point, <laughs> and we're like, hey, you know what? Like, let's see if this works, and we'll like if it doesn't, uh, um, I think we'll still be good friends, and we've been together for um almost six years now
0: goodness Um, gracious
1: (laughs) and so we're both of us were also very minimalist and not very needy um she she had an rv she was living out of for a while um and then i was trying to live on the road but having a home base in the south bay of california and we we were dating and we weren't living together and we were both too poor to live in California for the most part and like figure out how to live together and have a place. And it turns out, um, I'd been helping out with this race um, called the bear burrow at the olive Dell ranch. Um, it's a clothing optional ranch in San Bernardino <laughs> County, uh, who hosts a 5k every year. And like, I'd done well in the 5k and I'd got them sponsors and it was a place I really like also happens to be one of the like most cost efficient places to live in California. <laughs> And so Sam was like, "Hey, like we talked about it, kind of jokingly, about moving there." And she was like, "We need to move. We need to move in together." And then, like so I was like, "Yeah, you're right." And like it just came together. Like three weeks later, we bought a fifth wheel, and like we've got like a super awesome spot. Um, and we've been here. It was like we moved in just before COVID, and it's a private ranch. And so, when California was in lockdown, we live on this private ranch with miles of private trail. Um, where we could just be free and have fun and run. And uh, it's been pretty awesome.
0: Well, very nice. Yeah, it definitely, by the pictures you're posting on social media, looks pretty awesome. Um, now let's get back to Leadville. What was your first uh, Leadville run like? And did it live up to the hype for you?
1: So I, the first, my first Leadville run was planned to be, well, I guess it wasn't, yeah. I don't know what year it was. It was probably like 2013 ish, maybe. I don't know. Um, I headed out to Leadville to do the borough race. Um, Caballo Blanco um, had become a personal friend of mine and he passed away the year prior. And I had the opportunity, he had told me about the borough race. And I was it was always in the back of my mind after he told me about it. And I had the opportunity to run the borough that he used to race in. a uh, borough owned by the Padrettis named Samaritan, and this is a giant borough. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I headed out there with the intent to run the borough race, but in the back of my head, I, I think it I, – I don't know if you pulled – I don't know who pulled some strings. And this was before Leadville was as hard to get it. Like, this was before the lottery. This was be, this is when there was sponsorship exemptions that could be had and whatnot for the race. Um, but basically at the last second, I found out I was going to run the 100-miler. So two weeks after the borough race, so I headed out to Leadville to do the borough race. I got there on like a Friday night, and when I got there late on the Friday night, I was st- staying at the what I, I think who is is Greg Lobby. Did is he currently the mayor? Right uh, he now? sure
0: is. And why don't you tell us
1: okay. about that that <laughs>
0: camping out at Greg's house experience?
1: So the, the the mayor of Leadville is a is a close personal friend and awesome guy who who hosts has been notorious for hosting runners he used to host Caballo Blanco and barefoot Ted. he hosted the luna crew and so on this particular year i was staying at his house and i headed out there i got there like late at night coming from sea level on a friday night and i found out there was a during boom days there was a 5k the next day on saturday morning i don't i don't remember what the local what that 5k is called that's the one that god days that's the-, the
0: only one i know is the boom days 5k i don't i don't know either. <laughs> okay well
1: i was like okay well you know what i'm i'm not acclimated i should run this 5k and so like no sleep i got out there and i ran the 5k um i don't remember if i either won it or I got second place so it was, it was a good day and a good experience to meet some people in leadville um did the bro race the next day um got so, so the first couple of miles of the burrow race was awesome. Like I was like, this is easy. I got the biggest burrow on God's gift to burrow racing. I can get, I can move into first when I want to, I can do anything I want. <laughs> and then, but it's a, it's a roughly a marathon. I think the distance of that race and for two miles, I was awesome. And for the next 24 miles, I was probably the worst borough racer out there. I couldn't get the borough to move. Uh, storms rolled in. Um, I was, I wasn't the last ass at the pass. I think I was the second to last ass at the pass. And I ended up getting second to last in the borough race. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so, but it was still a good experience. Like I still had a great time. I did bond with the borough. Um, I would have liked to <laughs> run a little more, but it was, it was cool. And then. Um, I was running with my buddy Tyler Tomasio, another Luna Sandals runner. And we were also running in our sandals. and We were told you can't run, you can't run with the donkeys and sandals. And people, people were scared for us. I think they were, their hearts were in the right place. Um,
0: <laughs> their I, hearts I were in the I, right place. I told Ted, uh, I told Chris McDougall the same thing. So,
1: <laughs> so I got, I ended up getting. Um, second to last in the borough race. I think Tyler got third to last. <laughs> so we, we kind of really sucked out there. Um, and then so we had two weeks to, to train or two weeks to get acclimated for the 100, the uh, which I spent. So, well, we decided to do the. There was another borough race in Buena Vista the next week. So we decided to go out there. <laughs> Even though we sucked the first week, we we're like, hey, you know, maybe we'll do better. <laughs> and so we got different donkeys. And I had a really good day, and I ended up – Oh well, we got to Buena Vista, and I had the same twist of fate that happened to me in Leadville. It turned out there was a 5K there. (laughs)
0: So
1: the the borough race was at like, I don't know, 11 or something like that, and we got there at like 7.30 in the morning, and there was a 5K starting at 8.00. (laughs) like i couldn't resist so like well i sucked at the burrow race before but i did good in the 5k maybe 5 k's is my thing so like i'll do this 5k and and then i'll do the burrow race afterwards and so i ran i ran the 5k and i won the 5k and so that was that was a good morning (laughs) but but my legs were a little toasted for the burrow race but somehow the burrow race like really came together uh, and i ended up winning the burrow race and that was that that was like okay i'm gonna keep doing this burrow thing um and then, um, yeah, so you, you asked about the Leadville race, so I'm kind of, I'm getting there.
0: No, that's cool, <laughs> so, man. Take your time. <laughs>
1: um, so my fa- my favorite way to, to train in Leadville or to get acclimated and to do stuff is to go out to the Frisbee golf course there uh, at the community college. They have, you guys have a pretty great course.
0: Yeah, like yeah.
1: A, it's a good mix of, like, easy holes and hard holes, and so, like, um... I'd go out there and jog the courts each day for a couple hours, uh, and just, you know, get some miles in, nothing too hard and have some fun. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then came race day and like, I felt like I was like, I was like, okay, you know, that's some good, good luck with the pro racing, some good luck in the five K's and I was in decent shape at the time. Um, weather was good. Um, and I was ready to have a really good day. Um, I didn't have a crew. Um, and I didn't have any pacers when the race started. Um, but that was okay. Um, so I started the race, um, without a shirt on <laughs> and, um, I, I went out and I went, I started, I went out fast I, or I thought I went out at the right pace somewhere around, um, in, like in the first 10 miles going around the lake, um, I was following the people in front of me and we Probably did a mile and a half off course, which is almost impossible to get lost down there. I don't know how we did it.
0: It's it's actually pretty easy around that footprint of the lake going into the other <laughs> campgrounds. So uh,
1: okay, yeah. I I still don't know what we did and how we did it, but we we got back and we got back on the course and so that was that was a little bit of a bummer. But it was like, it's still okay. And like I, <laughs> I was like on a super optimistic pipe dreamy. Um, kind of speed that i wanted to get in the course so like i i thought like you know maybe like if the stars align like 18 to 20 hours would be a fantastic time
0: Uh uh-huh yes it would
1: (laughs) and so i I ended up i was feeling good getting there it was called fish hatchery at the time back then um got to fish hatchery and things were just already starting to blow i was at a good good pace as you know i don't know like sub four hours to fish hatchery nothing like outstanding but like still all right and then something happened in my knee and I just had this extreme knee pain. And I, and I didn't, I didn't know the course at all for Leadville really. I, I paced a, a sec, I paced, um, over, um, Hope Pass and that was the only part of the course I knew prior to going into the race. Um, and then, so we leave fish, fish hatchery. And I'm like, man, this is like the most, like I was thinking Leadville was going to be not too runnable and like, Everything from fish hatchery to Twin Lakes is like the most it's the most runnable part of the course. For sure. Um and so I got to that section and my knee felt destroyed. And so I find myself walking and it's like so early in the day and I'm like just getting demoralized and I'm walking and I'm getting like I'm I'm doing I like to do math while I'm running. I don't listen to music during races and so like, I'm just calculating all these splits. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, maybe 22 hours, maybe 24 hours, maybe 26 hours, maybe, <laughs> maybe 28 hours. I think I can still make the cut. And it was like, it, I, it got bad. And I got to Twin Lakes and, like, headed up uh, Hope Pass. I'm still going without a shirt. And, like, I'm, I didn't take a jacket <laughs> with me, which you shouldn't do that. Okay, I'm, I'm thank smarter, you
0: for advising like, that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'll listen to that advice that I'm giving right now to my, well, I'm, I'm telling myself to listen in the future. I don't know that I will, but you should listen to that advice. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I went up, hope passed super slow. Everybody's passing me and came down the other side. Everybody's passing me. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to give up. Like I'm still, I still think I'm going to finish the race, um, and then I go back up again, still sucking, <laughs> come back down. And then around like, like two or three miles out of, uh, twin lakes, all of a sudden, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think I ripped like a really big fart or something <laughs> and something changed in my body mechanics and my knee didn't hurt anymore. And then like. <laughs> My mantra was that I found my poop. Like, I kept saying that to myself. I don't know. I don't really remember why. (laughs) But it was working, and I was going with it. And I just started running. And then I I got to Twin Lakes. And I don't like to stay at aid stations. Like, if I'm in in a whole 100-mile race, if I spend 20 minutes at an aid station, like, total, like, that's too much. Like, I just, like, I don't know if it's psychological, like, getting in and out, but I don't like to spend time. Like, I appreciate all the help and I appreciate all the getting, like, refueled and, like, people are awesome at the aid stations, but I don't like to stay there. Right. Uh, so I got out of there and, like, at, like, one point, like, I think I ran, like, a 45-minute, like, 10K, like, that late in the race after, like, <laughs> feeling horrible. And, like, so then I'm, like, okay, now now the clock's going down, now it's, like, am I going to finish in 28, 26, 20, oh, maybe 24 is a ch- maybe 25 is a chance. And then I, uh, uh, at, uh, God, when did I get him? I think at, uh, maybe it was Fish Hatchery. Um, it might've been at Twin Lakes even where I picked him up, but I got, um, a pacer, a Peter Markson, I think was his name. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he was supposed to base Caballo Blanco, but Caballo Blanco had dropped. Yeah. And so, and so he joined me and he was, he's to this day, he was like the most awesome pacer I ever had. Like he was just good like i'm not really needy but i don't know whatever he was saying was like was working i'm like we were running great together and we're passing so many people because like well i'd walked most of the first half of the race so like i had fresh legs Um, well and he must have been
0: really strong himself i mean because you know caballo was a 28 hour guy back then and you were smoking
1: Yeah, so anyway, I'll end this sooner than later, but uh, coming down, like, the last 20 miles, like, I was flying, I ditched Peter, um, I came up the boulevard running, like, eight-minute miles coming up the boulevard, (laughs) which, like... I've ran Leadville a bunch of times and if you're doing a
0: 15 mile 15 minute mile coming up the boulevard you feel like you're going fast right (laughs) (laughs)
1: like and like most people are doing like 20 something minute miles and that's not even that bad like there's people doing 45 minute miles (laughs) you know Uh, but yeah so like the day went from a horrible day to an awesome day and like I don't remember what my time was. I don't remember if it was twenty three
0: something or twenty two something. It, it was, was a, a twenty two something for sure. No, you, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you, you smoked it through it for sure. So, now, so did that live up to the hype for you? I, were you in such a deficit so early? It, you were defending the whole time. I mean, what was that
1: like? Um, well, I don't know. What, I don't know. I don't know what the hype is necessarily, but like, it's just a, it's a super, it's, it's a great course in ultra marathoning. Kind of like the Boston marathon is a great course in marathoning. Um, it's not so much about the difficulty of the course other than say weather and dealing with elevation, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's like, it's, I mean, if you plan it right and you run, like if you want to run, you can run, um, but what like makes Leadville special and some people don't like this aspect and something that I actually really like is the amount of people out there and the, the amount of people on the sidelines and it like some of the aid stations are like you know not a party but there's just so much energy there um that makes it a race like no other ultra marathon that I've ran
0: well thank you we do love to hear that and now you've got, I guess it is four finishes. Is that mainly what's kept you coming back? Are there other elements that keep you coming back?
1: Um, I think I got five finishes, buddy. Oh, I missed one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I thought I had six for a while, so, but I don't think I have six. I've, I dropped once, um, uh, yeah, um, yeah, no, well the community of it is what keeps me coming back. And like, yeah, it's it's just a, it's got its own special vibe. And it's like some some ultra marathons are small, intimate things where like there aren't much marking and you like that makes them cool. And some yeah. like something like Leadville, it's just like it's such a there's an electricity, like an energy out there that make it a pretty awesome race.
0: Well, and then so you've got these five finishes at the, the run now have you uh, returned to the borough racing all those same years as well?
1: Um, yeah, I don't know if I, I try to get the borough racing in as much like, yeah, I I think I've done five or six borough races at Leadville. I think one year I took off, I didn't do the Leadville 100 because I was doing, I got an opportunity to do trans Rockies and I couldn't do both. Um, but, um, yeah, the, the bro racing is super special, too. Like, I really love that. Like, it's part of the whole Leadville experience for me is, like, the 100, whether I'm crewing it or running it, and then doing the, the bro racing.
0: Well, and in the bro racing, what are some of your more memorable moments on the trail up there?
1: God, that's a tough course. Um, the, <laughs> the bro racing course is, is a tougher course. I've never done the Leadville 50-miler but from what I hear, the Leadville, the borough race does a lot of that course. And so it's in, or or the one year I've done the Leadville Marathon, they changed the course, but the Leadville Marathon did a lot of the borough racing course. Uh, uh, my memories of the Leadville borough racing, um, I just, you don't know what, like with borough racing, you don't know what to ex- Like you can plan for the best and you can be the best borough racer in the world and you can have the best donkey in the world but if the donkey doesn't want to go (laughs) you're gonna have to adjust those plans and just you know like and for some people and some mentalities that that won't work for them like they will be destroyed and and other people you know you you just gotta adjust and be like okay you know we're just it's gonna be a long day and that's okay
0: Yes, you for sure got to adjust her. It's not going to work for you. You're going to abandon that race.
1: Have you, have you done the, the burrow, any bro racing?
0: Yes, I have. So I have a very similar experience to you. Now, I think it was 2002 or maybe it was 99 and 2001. I don't know. But my first one um, I did with the best burrow out there, but completely out of shape. My dad okay. my dad had this burrow mort and he was wilder than hell, but he was a great racer and he knew the course. And I got up and you know everybody can watch it from the resurrection. And here I am a local homeboy and I get to that split and go into the top of the radio tower and Mork and I went the wrong way to the right. Mm-hmm. And and I know everybody's watching, and I take him to the left, and we go up to the top, and he flounders. That means he's had too much sweet feed all year, and his hooves are real bad. And at the same time, my dad gets up there with our other burrow, Snoopy, and his burrow flounders. And we spend six hours waiting for them to decide to get up on top of uh, Mosquito, (laughs) And then we make it back to town in second to last and third to last place. (laughs) And then the next year, uh, I think I took a year off, but my dad had a new baby burrow that had never been haltered. And his name's Night Nighthorse. And my dad raced Nighthorse. And I raced Mork again. But Mork had shoes this time. (laughs) And Mork pulled me through. And we got third because of Mork awesome and my dad got the last ass over the past trophy <laughs> and i have it sitting right in front of me today <laughs> so it's a cool trophy I was, yes and it was a hell of a sacrifice he made for me to toe that line so now and we talk about hard finishes jumping back to the hundred and you said you've had a dnf out there what was that what brought you to a dnf
1: Um, well, my, my DNF was, I just went into the race underprepared and, um, I knew from the get go that it was like the wrong decision to be racing, um, had some, some prior injuries and I, I didn't, it wasn't, this isn't some like awesome story or anything. I only got to mile 20 and it was, um, I was barely moving in a lot of pain and I called it quits then, um. I did have one race, um, where I had a, it wasn't a great finish, but it was probably like the most painful finishes of any of my races that I've ever done. Um, around mile 18 at Leadville, uh, just took a, took a dive. Um, I landed on my water bottle, cracked my water bottle and, um, messed up my ribs pretty good. Uh-huh. And... The, the good thing about messing up your ribs is when you can't breathe and can't talk and can't laugh and can't cough and you can't push that hard. So like, it kind of makes you like you pace yourself at least well.
0: Yes, you do. <laughs>
1: um, so like I was able to, I, I kept, kept running and I finished the race and like, I got it. I like picked up a pacer at twin lakes. I got some random kid and I felt so bad cause I, I'm a, chatty kathy during a race i like to talk to to racers or pacers and whatnot and but talking hurts so bad and i've got this kid i don't know pacing me and he's like bringing up a little bit of conversation like every word was painful and so i got like even like talking laughing coughing it was bad but um i probably should have dropped that like in hindsight that like really wasn't worth finishing but it did
0: well, I'd, I'd argue that any of those that you make it through are worth finishing. So.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> I mean, they all come at a cost, and those DNFs yeah. tend to live with you a little longer. So, I don't know. Struggling through seems to be <laughs> yeah, a good I, I plan. Mean,
1: I guess you're right. I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, now, and you mentioned you've been on the other side as a crew and a pacer. What was that experience like for you?
1: Oh, I'm, God, I think it was, like, I've, I've paced in a lot of things since then, but when I was pacing Bookus out there, might have been the first time I've ever paced in a race. And so it was just doing, um, it was just the 10 miles over from uh, uh, May Queen to, uh, to Twin Lakes. Is that right? What's the? Yeah, you, yeah, no, Winfield, yeah. The to Twin, no. When,
0: uh, sorry, I'm off track. May <coughs> Queen in is okay. is
1: oh, no, twin no so winfield to twin links okay
0: gotcha right. sorry
1: it's okay um and and Bookus is Bookis is like the sweetest person in the world and he's ha- he's like having a pretty good day but i like, I don't know how to pace, but I pushed him. <laughs> There's some videos, if you search for him on YouTube, you can see, just being like, not being a dick, but like, being like, here's my friend, Bookus. Bookis is running this race. He's killing it. <laughs> and you can just see, see the look on his face, that like, I don't want to be running right now. Like, can we just go a little bit slower? <laughs> and, and to his credit, he did, he finished the race. So awesome. Um, and he was like super fast during, my 10 miles and was like super nice. And like, uh, and then, but then the 10 miles after he left me, he totally blew up. But I think that was because I pushed him too hard (laughs) in my area.
0: Well, I mean, it happens. He probably made out time (laughs) from that. So now another fun one I'd like to touch on. Have you hosted any races in Leadville?
1: Uh, please say that. Uh, (laughs) So I missed it this year. I couldn't make it up to Leadville, sadly, but it still went on without me being there. But for the last, um, I think, about eight years, maybe, nine years, um, I posted the Leadville Beer Mile the Thursday before the Leadville 100.
0: And what brought that on? What gave you the inspiration, um, and what all did it entail?
1: Um. So, well, Running is supposed to be fun, like we do this out of choice, <laughs> not out of necessity, and like I don't know, we all take it a little bit too seriously sometimes, so it's good to it's good to like let it go a little bit so before the race um um I've been hosting a few beer miles at other places. Um, I put together this race on the boulevard, so it's a downhill first eighth of a mile, then you run back the next eighth of a mile, um, drink four beers, drink a beer before each quarter mile race. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, just put it, I had a bunch of friends at the race, so we just started it as a fun thing. Um, and then I don't think we raised any money for charity the first year, but then I was like, well, if we're going to do this stupid thing before the race, we might as well, you know, try to make it for a good cause. Um, and I like doing stuff for kids in general, raising money, but in, like, the Leadville Foundation is, like, super awesome. But since this involves drinking alcohol, I don't think (laughs) it's the best representation for raising money for kids. So we made our official charity the Leadville Lake County Animal Shelter, and we've been raising money for them every year since.
0: And then now you also pride yourself on some unique awards for the Beer Mile, just as we do for Leadville. Where do the awards come from?
1: So the official award of the beer mile the or beer miles that I host, including the Leadville beer mile is a shovel amulet on a string, which involves a a plastic shovel that's been upcycled from mostly the beaches of California. Um, when I was living at the beach, I'd run, you know, for about two hours, almost every day on the beach. And in the course of a year I could find about 500 shovels and in since I started running there um, and hosting beer miles, I've probably given away probably close to 3,000 shovels by now.
0: Oh, my goodness. I mean, yeah, that's – you truly do have one for everybody. They're a little better <laughs> if you win or place, but um, it's been pretty great. Now, Yeah,
1: and it, it will, the cool thing about the shovels is, like, I know people have done, like, the hardest races in the world and, like <laughs> – you know, they put their metal on their, their metal shelf, but the shovel's hanging in front of, like, their Boston Marathon or their West – well, I don't know. I don't know about Western States. or. I,
0: I think I've seen a few shovels in front of all of them from a few friends myself. <laughs> so I uh, I don't know. I think you're in great competition there. So <laughs> well, thank you, Paul. We, you know, we've covered you gotten into – into running through marathons a little later in life. And you, you know, you've had this fascination with minimal minimalism and miles, uh, but you've taken it a little further and, and, uh, you've done what not a lot of our audience members have done. You've done a trans con run. And, uh, why don't you tell us about that and, and how you pre- prepped for it and the gear you used to do that guy?
1: Um, so I had an opportunity to, I'm, I'm not a planner. I suck at planning things. And I don't really like planning things. I kind of like going into the unknown.
0: I mean, that's uh, what makes these stories better, Pat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there, there actually, was, there was a race to run across the country that had come together. And like two months before it started, I was like, well, shit, I would love to run across. Like I had, there was a girl who had done a trans con and finished in my, my hometown. And she was doing, she was 18 years old. Her name was Ray and she was doing it mostly barefoot but she i think she wore some five fingers for some of it and so i ran the last few days with her um a couple of years prior and i was like wow that's pretty cool like that this kid could do this and like didn't really know that it was in my cards right but then this race came together and i was like well i don't kind of plan anything i just got to come up with some money and uh, <laughs> i had some sponsors at the time and then um, Robert Goyen of Trail Racing over Texas was putting together a team and he really helped me out and helped make it happen for me. And so I joined this race and then the race turned out to be a total disaster. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to talk smack about the, the race organizers or anything, but it, the race was a disaster. So uh, me and another person who were in the race, we ended up just going off on our own with the help of um, Vanessa Runs. Um, yeah. And my friend Shackie, um, they were helping out with the race. I mean, it, and since so, you're
0: dropping all yep. those names, who's this other friend running with you? Uh, uh
1: Jeff Brown, uh, a Kiwi from uh, New Zealand, uh, super awesome guy. Um, so yeah, we just started going off. We were basically just like, okay, Google maps. Like how do we get from here to here? <laughs> like not knowing what we were going to encompass. And like Google maps will take you on some strange roads. It'll take you on some big highways where people should not be, uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it turned out to be a really awesome experience. Uh, and we weren't running for any time. Um, we were getting up to, like, 40, 50 miles a day. And, like, not trying to break any records, but, like, it got to a point where, like, the body felt like it could do 40, 50 miles a day, like, every day for the rest of my life. Uh, well, maybe not the rest of my life, but, uh, <laughs> but it could do that continuously, like, for years and get stronger rather than get weaker.
0: Well, yeah, because you talk about not planning – throwing this together at the last minute and then i'm watching you and you detoured off and you did boston
1: i know i so no that, that or, you're, you're close <laughs> um the, the caballo blanco run free movie was premiering in boston
0: oh that's it okay
1: and i was just getting to god what is it um my mind's drawn, drawn a blank um you, uh you, blue ridge, the blue ridge mountains i was just getting around there and uh-huh. like um saucony was premiering the caballo blanco movie did i just say that i think they did <laughs> no
0: you you just said the caballo blanco was what was going on there the movie. okay so
1: yeah the caballo blanco movie was premiering and saucony wanted me to go talk at this premiere and i'm in the middle of this Transcon <laughs> um near the blue ridge mountains they're like well if you can get to an airport um and we'll we'll fly you up here, and we'll put you up in a hotel and let you talk. And then, like, okay, I was like, okay, like, I want to, like, i got to keep running this transcon, but, like, I want to see this premiere, and, like, this is an opportunity I shouldn't pass up. So I had to bust out, like, a huge day, like, I don't know, like a 60-mile day to get to Roanoke to make a plane flight. And I get on this plane to fly to Boston, and there was, like, a guy promoting the Roanoke Marathon, which was, like, two days away. And I'm like, well, I'm doing this Transcon, <laughs> <laughs> and, or I think it was the blue Ridge mountain marathon, that was out of Roanoke. Right. Um, and, and I'm like, okay, like if you, if I can get an entry or something late, like, like that sounds great. <laughs> um, and so I go and do my talk at Boston and then I like fly back and planes get messed up. And like, I get back to Roanoke at like 1am and the marathon is the next day. Uh, and this marathon is like, they, I think they say if you can go under three hours, they'll uh, they'll pay for you to do Boston.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh,
1: like in future years or yeah, whatnot. Like yeah, Like a super tough marathon. Um, so I got out there. I was in great shape, but my body was pretty fatigued. <laughs> like nothing was broken or anything. Um, and so I gave it my best in the marathon. Um, but then I got to like mile 24. I took a wrong turn. I was running in third place at the time. Mile twenty-four, I took a wrong turn and went about I mean not the farthest, maybe like up to like a half mile the wrong direction before coming back. And so I moved into fourth place and then I got back into third place. Um, but then I didn't end up breaking three hours. It was like three or four or something. Oh, I got gosh. third place in the marathon. And it was it was super fun, super cool experience. The only problem was the next day I had to go back to doing the transcon in like if you've ran, if you tried running marathons fast, like nothing really destroys your body more than like running fast for that long. Like ultra marathoning is a whole different beast of destroying your body. But like <laughs> that, that next week of running 40, 50 mile days was like pure hell in my body. Like my hat's off to like people who can do these transcon speed records or people like Michael Wardian who can do, you know, like seven days of, sub three hour marathons like that's freaking awesome
0: (laughs) well yeah that's that's way too much for me so you know doing these this what has that taught you like what do you take from that trans con through your life because that's kind of taught you quite a few lessons
1: um people were super nice like there's just the generosity of people on the streets like when i'm running around like doing this like somewhat of a self like like it cost money and sponsors helped and whatnot but like it was kind of a selfish thing to do the Transcon, and like people are pulling over their cars because they see this skinny bearded dude running in sandals <laughs> on the side of the street like offering me clothes and money and these are people that didn't like didn't seem to have much and like i don't know i was really in awe of the generosity of people that stopped to say hi and like i i, I guess that's what i got the most out of it
0: well that's that's probably the best thing you could get out of it. Anything with a humanitarian message is a pretty big win, I'd say, yeah Now, you've mentioned that your first year you didn't have a crew at Leadville. um Have you done it without a crew other years, and can you tell our family members <laughs> you know that are maybe don't have that option what how to make themselves successful going that route?
1: um i just you just got to embrace it like i i don't like asking people for help i appreciate help but i'm not good at asking or relying on people and i'm and i I do end up relying on people a lot in my life but like it's hard it's a hard thing for me to do and um the leadville's aid stations are super awesome and if you get late if you can make it to twin lakes um chances are there will be somebody there willing to pace you if you don't have a crew um i actually had this the opposite problem that i got in trouble with with sam one year um uh, sam was my crew chief and she was excited and she was very helpful mm-hmm. and i think i mentioned earlier that like i don't like stopping at a stations and she was like upset that i wouldn't stop that long and then, <laughs> Like, I think she's right and she's wrong at the same time. Like, psychologically, it really helps me not to stop. Yeah. But maybe it would have helped me physically to stop and to regroup and to do some things differently. But, like, I think it's easier. To, like, a crew can see that, I guess. I, mean, I a crew can see that and not see it at the same time. Like, they don't know exactly what you're feeling, but then you also don't know what you're feeling when you get to mile 70 or 80. But uh, I I think the sport should go a lot more towards not allowing crews and not allowing um, aid on partic- on courses that can't handle it. Um, like, I'm a bit... I think Leadville really needs... I, I don't know if you guys actually did this. I think you might have in the last year. Like, I don't think they should allow Pacers till Twin Lakes on the way back. That's, what, that's what we they,
0: did this year, yes.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've been saying that for years, that that's, like, the single thing that Leadville needs to change and to make it just so much more of a better experience for the people on the course, especially the people that are coming down towards mile 50, pushing cutoffs. Uh, That's kind of a side tangent. So I'm super stoked to hear that. Well, that
0: was a real lesson that we learned. You're dead on right. I thought that that part of the pack would have had some bad things to say. And Bill Stahl, who was running the aid station down there, said exactly what you said even they loved having the extra room to push so i think all you guys are spot on and we're still learning <laughs> um what are some things that you've taken from leadville beyond race day or from the town itself
1: um Leadville's just it's a special place just a really cool community like whether it's um like going to community threads and seeing smoky working there who's <laughs> donated stuff for the, the beer mile every year or like in getting to know the people at the animal shelter um even like i like it's it's such a small community like you go to the supermarket and you like like you might run into your dad there
0: <laughs> like <laughs> <for sure. laughs> uh,
1: just it's just a, just a good vibe and it's like i mean a lot of us like don't live in small towns and it's kind of nice to like I mean you get that small town vibe but you're up in the mountains and you're about to do something really hard and there's like you got the community behind you
0: yeah yeah you for sure do what do you think of when you hear the word Leadville what
1: do I think of when I hear the little um, that's a good question <laughs> um I mean I guess I I mean I'd have to think of the the, the racing first, um, but um, yeah, it just makes me makes me think about all the connections I've made there and all the friends I've made there, and makes me like I know I'll be back there, and so like it makes me looking look forward to seeing my friends
0: well, we love that, and I definitely love seeing you there too. I can't thank you enough for all your time today. Is there anything else you'd like to share with these people before I let you go?
1: um. So uh, I just uh, I really respect you, Cole. Like you're always a highlight to see out there. Like there's there's a few people when I get to town. Where I was like, OK, when am I going to run? And like cause I try to get there a little bit early because I get there for the, the Brewer Racing, which is usually before the, the 100. Uh, and so like I, I get excited. Um, I'm like, OK, where where is Cole going to be? When am I going to run into his dad? Um, when when am I going to see Ian Sharman walking down the street? Um, no, now, it's like it's like I I love how Leadville stresses like it's like you're part of the Leadville family. And it's like, if you go to Leadville to, to crew, pace or run, like you'll be part of that family. And like the next time, like you will be back (laughs) and you will look forward to seeing your friends that you made in the years prior.
0: Well, and if you come back, we end up being the lucky ones. I'm glad you've returned year after year and Humbly, I'd like to thank you as well, because you're one of the highlights of the family family reunion for me. So thank you very much, and I hope you have a great day.
1: All right. Thank you, Cole. You're a very sweet man. Hey, say, say hi to your dad for me.
0: I sure will. Take care. All right. See you, buddy. Well, there you have it, Leadville family. If minimalism's got any interest in your world, uh, you've got plenty of notes to get started now. Thank you very much for joining this episode with my buddy, Patrick Sweeney. Don't forget to give us a subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts. And we can't wait to see you at home. We can't wait to see you in Leadville.